Hello everybody, shall we pray? Father God, it's so good to be together today and we ask that you would inspire us through your word. Lord, please inspire me and speak through me as I teach from Ephesians today. And we look forward to our lives being changed. We look forward to the fruit of what you're going to do in our lives as a result of this teaching. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. On October the 27th, 2005, in a small French town, there was a clash between some teenagers and the police. And this incident led to a riot such that by the 7th of November, just 11 days later, the rioting had spread to 274 towns throughout France. <clears throat> the government responded to the crisis by declaring a state of emergency which lasted for three months and when the dust finally settled on all of this um, 2,888 young people had been arrested 8,973 vehicles had been damaged buildings had been torched and the cost the total cost of the damage was over 200 million euros this is an example of what can happen when children in a society are brought up in such a way that they don't respect authority. So last time we looked at God's design for the marriage relationship and as you may have gathered we're going to be looking at the parent-child relationship today. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 to 4. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 to 4. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Just a short reading today. Let's begin with the responsibility of children and we see from today's passage that children have two responsibilities first of all the res responsibility to obey and secondly the responsibility to honor one now when you look at that passage and when you look at those commands it might seem as though children have less value than their parents because they are being told to obey and to honor but this is not the case Children do not have the same status or weight as their parents, but they definitely have the same value. So when God looks at a human being, it doesn't matter how old or how young that human being is, God sees a human that is created in his image and he attributes the same value to a youngster as he does to an older person. So this is not about value, but it is about the weight and the authority that we carry in our relationships. So Paul begins here, children obey your parents. Do you notice that he addresses children directly? He doesn't address this teaching indirectly through the parents. So from this we gather that there would have been children in church meetings and obviously Paul and the apostles and the early church thought that children were valuable and important enough to be in church meetings and to be hearing teaching directly explained in such a way that they could understand. 
So the early church considered children to be important and that was very counterculture at the time. And they also valued children. If you look at the Gospels, we can see that Jesus also valued children. Remember, there was that occasion when Jesus was very busy and some parents came to the disciples and said, you know, would you mind if you, if you could ask Jesus to bless our children? And they were like, no, no, the, you know, the, the, the teacher is, he's far more important than that. You know, he's far too busy at the moment. Take the children away. And Jesus is like, no, no, bring the children to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. All this, as I said earlier, was radically counterculture. So we need to value children as well. The only danger for our culture is that sometimes we express that value for children inappropriately. And let's face it, I think it's a good thing that in our culture today, we do value children a lot more highly than they did in those ancient cultures. But the danger is that we sometimes make children the center of the universe and that is a dangerous thing. We sometimes allow children to make decisions that only adults should be making. Adults have far more maturity, they have far more experience, that's why they are the ones who have the authority. And so, you know, for example, you, you could be chatting to someone and they say, well, we've decided to go to Church X. Why? What was the reason for going there? Oh, well, little Johnny wanted to go there. And is the rest of the family happy with that? Well, not really, but that's where little Johnny wanted to go. And so you've allowed this child in, in a misguided um, desire to show this child value to be making decisions that they shouldn't be making. So children and parents are equally important, but they're not equal in status and authority and in terms of their, their weight. I'm talking figuratively, of course. <laughs> So the first responsibility of a child is to obey. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, just note here, and this is significant, that wives are instructed to submit whilst children must obey. And this fact establishes order in families. So though children are to be valued, their status is lower than that of their parents. Why should a family be ordered in this way? Well, Paul explains it here. He says, for this is right. And when he says right, he means something that conforms to God's way of doing things. This is the way God wants families to be arranged. So it's a very serious thing when Christian parents do not insist on obedience. Children need to learn that there will always be authorities in life. And most importantly, children must learn to obey their parents so that they will learn to obey God. Because in many ways, during the early years, you as a parent, parent, I beg your pardon, are mediating God to those children. They can't see God. They can see you. And so they learn to obey God by learning to obey you. Children are also to obey their parents in the same way as they obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And obedience to parents is a part of a child's relationship with Jesus. And so the first step in helping your child to become a Christ follower is to teach that child to obey you. You represent God's authority in the home. And if a child will not obey you, well, 
he or she ever learn to obey Jesus? So someone asks, well, when does this change? When does this requirement for obedience fall away? And I mean, there's some um, cultures in the world today where even adult children are still expected to obey their parents. Is that right? Is that correct? Well, verse 4 talks about bringing children up. So Paul obviously has in mind here children that are not yet fully brought up. In other words, that are still young. However, there does come a time when a child has grown into an adult. They've got enough maturity. They've got enough experience. They've started to develop their own relationship with God so they can start to make their own decisions. And then there is no longer a requirement for them to obey their parents. But the requirement to honor remains. Let's move on to that second responsibility for children. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. What does it mean to honor somebody? Well, it means to treat that person respectfully. It means to prize them and it means to value them. Now, you're probably, maybe some of you are thinking, well, you don't know my mum, or you don't know my dad, or you don't know what they've done. It's very hard to respect them. You know what? You can still treat them with respect, even if you don't feel respect for them. And one of the ways that we do this, and it's often overlooked in our culture, is by taking care of them as they get older. We often neglect that aspect of God's command to honor parents. And the Old Testament reminds us that honoring parents is to do with honoring God. Listen to this command from Deuteronomy. It says, Every one of you shall revere or respect or honor his mother and father and shall keep my Sabbaths. Then what does he say? He says, I am the Lord your God. In other words, I'm giving you this command. So if you respect and honor your parents, you are in fact honoring and respecting me. Now Paul gives this order, but then he gives some references to the Old Testament in order to give some motivation to obey. And the first one comes from Deuteronomy 5.16, if you're taking notes, and the second from Exodus 20 verse 12. From Deuteronomy 5.16 and Exodus 20 verse 12 that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Obedience to parents, and this is the way God has set things up, leads to order and stability, not only in homes, but also in communities. When households and communities are ordered and stable, then things generally go well for them. And of course, that example that I gave you earlier of the youth riots in France shows how badly things can go for a community when children are not taught to respect authority. So, we've dealt with the responsibility of children according to this text. Um, it is to obey and to honor their parents. Let's move on now to the responsibility of parents. Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then Paul gives a similar command in Colossians. It's got a slightly different flavor to it. Fathers, do not provoke your children, 
lest they become discouraged. So there is a certain amount of exasperation or provoking that parents can do to their children which result either, results either in anger or discouragement, maybe we could say depression, depending on the makeup of the child. So some comments. First of all, it says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Now I can guarantee that even when you give them godly instructions and when you require them to obey that, sometimes it's going to lead to anger and frustration. And this is not what Paul is talking about. We all know that when you have a particular goal and someone blocks it, it leads to frustration and anger. So children are going to get angry. They are going to get frustrated, irritated when their parents give them commands, even good commands. So this is not what Paul's talking about. Another comment is that these commands include mothers. It says in the commentaries, um, the, the, the commentators say that the word translated fathers can also mean parents. And it's likely that Paul meant father at that time for cultural reasons. That's because at that time fathers, not mothers, had legal control of children and they were responsible. The father was responsible for their instruction from about age seven. Here's another interesting cultural fact. Girls did not normally receive formal education. They were simply taught household duties by their mother. What's significant here is that Paul wrote children instead of boys. Children instead of boys. In other words, what he was saying is that girls are as important as boys. And that was very, very significant and groundbreaking at the time because in ancient society that wasn't the case. And Paul didn't accept that limitation. So, for cultural reasons, Paul is probably addressing dads, but the way he puts it doesn't exclude mums. So for us, in our day and age, it definitely includes both. Now, I've chosen to approach the passage from the angle of responsibility. But it's hard to state a responsibility in a negative way. So instead of saying that your first responsibility as a parent is not to provoke your children to anger, let's have a look at the opposite side of the coin and change it to the fact that your first responsibility as parents is to love, value and inspire. Love, value and inspire. Now why is that the opposite side of the coin to provocation? Let me give you some propositions as I explain this. And these are very useful when it comes to parenting as well. First of all, parenthood is delegated. Ultimately, God is the parent of your children. But He delegates and shares that responsibility with you. Remember I said earlier that in some ways you mediate God's parenthood to your children. So that's the first proposition. Parenthood is delegated. Secondly, Parenthood is to make visible the invisible God. The reality is that when children are small, because of their development, they can't understand metaphysical ideas like this idea that there is a God who is all around us, but we can't see him. They need to have things that are far more tangible and concrete. And God arranges it so that children have human parents human parents that represent him and then their job is to 
is to communicate what God is like to their children. Remember we said that mothers carry the image of God, a certain aspect of it. Fathers carry another aspect of the image of God. Together, the two of them portray a, a fuller image of God to their children. And so your job is to display the image of God as a father and a mother, in a sense, to your children, so that one day when they've grown up and they're mature, they will recognize God as their heavenly parent. So parenthood is delegated. Parent is, is to make visible the invisible God. Third proposition, parenthood is to fill core needs. And this is where we start getting to this idea of provoking and the opposite side of the coin. Because children and adults have three basic needs. The first need is the security that comes from being loved unconditionally. The security that comes from being loved unconditionally. In other words, my love for my child should not be linked to their performance. Even if their performance is bad, even if they're misbehaving, they still need to know that I love them. Then, second need, the self-worth that comes from being valued just simply for who they are and not for what they do. Security that comes from being loved, self-worth that comes from being valued, and you can see these words now coming out, loved, valued, they come from our responsibility. And then the significance that comes from being inspired with a divine purpose. Our children need to know that God has something amazing and valuable for them to do. They need to be inspired with the divine parents. So as parents, God has delegated you the task of making him visible to your children and also to fulfill their core needs until they're old enough to know God and to have their core needs met with him. And then you hand over certain aspects of parenthood back to God as they become adults. Now, how does this relate to frustrating um, your children? How does this relate to provoking your children? Think of Oscar Pistorius, for example. Oscar Pistorius was an amazing athlete. But I suspect that his self-worth was very attached to his performance as an athlete. And I also suspect that his lovability was associated with his performance as an athlete. The result of that was that he was a very angry and aggressive person. And we all know what happened as a result of that. So when parents, and I'm not necessarily saying that, that Oscar's parents were like this, but if I only love my child, my boy for example, when, when, when he is playing well at cricket, or he only gets a sense that he's valued by me when he's succeeding at his sport, then it can drive him to one of two things, either to, to being very angry and aggressive, or it can lead him to being discouraged and depressed. So our responsibility then is to love and to value and to inspire our children to meet those core needs so that they don't become angry or possibly depressed people. So, 
that's the first responsibility of parents to love to value and to inspire and you know folks i can't overemphasize the importance of this because so many of us even as adults and somehow we get this message i don't know whether it's from through our parents i think sometimes it is or sometimes we get it through society that our value and our worth is is dependent on our position or how successful we are at work or we think that god will only love us when we are behaving correctly or when we haven't failed these things are not true and we must be so careful not to communicate these untruths to our children parents don't don't live out your own self well don't try and boost your own self-worth through your children i've seen it so many times when i was when i was standing on the edge of a rugby field there'd be fathers there and it would be so patently obvious that they their self-worth was being boosted by the performance of their children and then when their children weren't performing it was a serious thing i saw fathers doing things that you would never want to see a father doing the way they were shouting and almost dissing their children from the sidelines that just gives you an idea of what we're talking about so that's our responsibility is to love to value and to inspire second one is to discipline and instruct bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the lord now for reasons we've already discussed this doesn't mean that mothers can't train and instruct their children today however and i just put this out as a warning fathers can be notorious for abdicating their parental responsibility to train and instruct their children we are very inclined especially in this day and age to leave it to others to leave it to our wives maybe to the harvest kids teachers maybe to school teachers and so on no never forget that the buck stops with you it is your primary responsibility to make sure that it's happening and fathers need to bring up your children that's what it says there and the greek word means to feed or nourish up to maturity it's the same word that's used in ephesians 5:29 after all no one ever hated his own body but he feeds and cares for it just as christ does the church you know even a mighty oak tree begins just as a tiny seedling which needs to be carefully tended and we as parents need to do that for children bringing up children also involves training and instruction and some translations use the word discipline in place of training and today we normally associate discipline with punishment but you know punishment is far too narrow a meaning for the word discipline and that's why training is a good translation because it has to do with coaching your children for life just as a coach prepares a sports team for a match so you need to in a sense develop a training strategy that prepares prepares your children for life you need to be intentional in the way that you raise your kids and training this kind of training includes giving experiences especially in work and in serving and in caring for others you know a child that learns to invest in the family is far more likely to serve in his or her community 
And this training goes well with instruction. When I think of instruction, I think of something that I learned years ago from um, a training course. It, the name escapes me. Oh, I've got it now. Raising Kids God's Way. Um, what they said was that whenever we um, ask our children to do something or give them a command that we're expecting them to obey, it's very important as they get older to, give, to answer the why question. Why do I want you to do this? And this is all about establishing what they called a moral warehouse. In other words, principles and values that a child can then go and find later on in life and apply to different situations. And this is where the instruction comes into it. So instead of saying to your child, don't do drugs, at a time when everybody's relaxed and maybe you're sitting around the table, you discuss drug abuse. And you talk about why it's a bad thing. And you talk about the principles that are going to be um, gone against by using drugs. And it's all part of training and instruction. This is why it says in the Old Testament, uh, chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Folks, imagine how it could have been different for the nation of France if parents and children had been intentional about following God's design for the family. And as I said last time, relationships are important. They have a measurable impact for good if we get them right or for bad if we don't. So brothers and sisters, we need to be a church that gets our relationships right. I'm sure there's a lot for you to be inspired by, a lot for you to work on. Shall we pray? Father God, we ask that Harvest Church would be a beacon and an example in Zimbabwe of how families should be conducted according to the way God has set them up. Father, I ask for your blessing on every family at Harvest. I pray that you would equip and help parents with the power of the Holy Spirit to love and to value and to inspire their children so that they don't end up being children that are insecure or angry or depressed. And Father, I pray for, for, for children as well. Lord, I ask that there would be a great desire in our children to love and to honor their parents so that one day they would be able to love and to honor you, Father God, in the way that you deserve to be loved and honored. And we ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for signing in and look forward to spending time with you again in the near future. Goodbye for now.